Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to Rose Bowl history. It's Rose Bowl month celebrating 100 years of the Rose Bowl history, the stadium 100 years old in January 2023. And we are covering each and every Rose Bowl game played there, as well as some other great attractions associated with the Rose Bowl. And, uh, you know, today we're going to cover... Uh, six different Rose Bowls that happened in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, that uh, Some of them are some, some pretty good games. Others, maybe not so much, but we got some great players and coaches and memories from those Rose Bowls, and maybe these will spurn some memories for you, uh, maybe perhaps that you watched or uh, were part of these games. First off, we're going to start with a 1977 Rose Bowl. It was the 63rd Rose Bowl game played. It was played on January 1st, 1977, and it had involved Invited the USC Trojans, champions of the Pac-8 Conference, pitted against the Michigan Wolverines of the Big Ten Conference. Now, under the direction of first-year head coach John Robinson, the Trojans entered the game with a 10-1 record, suffering a, just one setback. That was at the hands of Missouri in the season home opener. A little bit of a surprise and a wake-up call for the Trojans, perhaps, because they rattled off 10 wins right after that. And the Wolverines of Bo Schembechler, he was the head coach then, they were also 10-1, taking one on the chin against Purdue in a late uh, mid-November affair. Now, USC was loaded with talent. Vince Evans was the quarterback. Heisman winner Ricky Bell playing tailback. And little-known backup Charles White, another Heisman winner, uh, was on the bench. Now, Michigan struck first on the scoreboard with a one-yard dive by Rob Lytle in the second quarter. Ricky Bell suffered an injury early in the contest which would not let him return to this game. So the rushing duties settled on that future Heisman winner, Charles White. And uh, Vince Evans responded well too, uh, as he reached Pager later in the second quarter to tie the game in the second half. And the Trojans kept the Wolverines from any further scoring as Charles Wright ran one in to provide USC with a 14-7 victory. And Vince Evans was nominated as the player of the game 
And remember, Vince Evans was uh, was uh, drafted, ended up going and playing with the Chicago Bears, uh, part of their quarterback rotation in the, the early 80s as they were trying to figure out uh, you know, who was going to be their starter before McMahon finally got that job. The 1978 Rose Bowls, our next topic we'll talk about, it was played Monday, January 2nd, 1978. Uh, remember when the Rose Bowl occurs on a Sunday, uh, they still have that rule where they will move it to Monday the 2nd. And it marked Pasadena's 64th Rose Bowl game on that day. Now spectators spent a whopping $17.50 uh, on average on a ticket, which they were still that price now, to enter the stadium to watch the Washington Huskies of the head coach Don James playing against, once again, Bo Schembechler and the Michigan Wolverines. Washington started the season poorly, losing three of their first four games, but they righted the ship to finish with a 7-4 record. The Huskies ended up winning the Pac-8 title when UCLA stumbled in the final seconds to USC and forfeited another game, which actually was against Washington, due to some ineligible players that were used in that contest. So. That ended up making Washington be the Pac-A champs. But Michigan was a clear favorite in the Rose Bowl matchup, uh, sporting a 10-1 record. Their lone loss was to Minnesota. And there's reason that they played the game, though. Surprisingly, the Huskies led 17 to nothing as quarterback Warren Moon ran one in and threw for another, and Washington's defense stymied the Wolverines early and often. Earlier in the third quarter, UW punched in another seven on the board, when receiver Spider Gaines hauled in a 28-yard pass from Moon. Now, Michigan finally scored when Kurt Stevenson caught and scored on a 76-yard pass play from signal caller Rick Leach in the third. The Huskies replied with a Steve Robbins 18-yard field goal, and Michigan tried to rally in the final quarter, scoring on a Russell Davis two-yard run and subsequent Wilner kick. And later, when Stan Edwards took in a 32-yard pass from Leach uh, with the kick failing. UW held on for the 27-20 win over Michigan, got interesting at the end, and Warren Moon was selected as the game's most outstanding player, and outstanding player and Warren Moon definitely was as he ended up going into the CFL and later played with uh, Houston and Seattle in the NFL. The 1979 Rose Bowl, it featured the USC Trojans, champion of the Pac-10 Conference. They headed to the 65th Rose Bowl game to play against the Big Ten Conference co-champions, the Michigan Wolverines. This contest had a phantom score, an earthquake, and a memorable aspect to a new level with those two factors happening. Michigan's Bo Schembechler and Southern Cal's John Robinson each made return trips to Pasadena to play in the annual Granddaddy of Bowl games. Each squad suffered only one loss in the regular season. The Wolverines lost to Michigan State, and the Trojans fell to Alabama for their only setback, and this set up a number three USC team playing the fifth-ranked Wolverines. USC started the scoring in a first, as receiver Hobie Brenner caught a nine-yard touchdown pass from signal caller Paul McDonald, and specialist Frank Jordan booted the one-point after through the uprights. UM cut the lead in half in the second quarter when Greg Wilner split the pipes from 36 yards out and USC rattled off 10 more points before the intermission. The touchdown in that melee was a big questionable to say the least. USC had taken the ball down to the Michigan three-yard line and Robinson dialed up an iso dive play for Charles White. Michigan line, middle linebacker Ron Simpkins rocked the Trojan runner and the impact created White to lose possession before he crossed the goal line stripe. It was interesting how the mixed officiating crew reacted. 
the Pack 8 umpire marked the ball around the one yard line and signaled that there had been a change of possession, it was Michigan's ball. Video evidence shows that this was an accurate assessment by the umpire. The Big Ten line judge though, demonstrably saying that the USC back had scored before he lost control of the ball. The line judge's call was what the crew went with and the phantom touchdown counted. Michigan did all they could in the second half, including a Roosevelt Smith 44-yard touchdown catch from a Rick Leach pass. However, it was not enough as the Trojans hung on and won the game with the help of what appears to be an officiating error. Now, during that game, like we said, there was a slight earthquake in the stands that was felt and that was mentioned on television. And Charles White and Michigan quarter Rick Leach were both named the players of the game. Pretty good when you have one from each side as those most outstanding players. Now the 1980 Rose Bowl was the 66th edition of the Granddaddy of them all, and it was a classic match of Big Ten versus Big uh, Pac-10 folks. Now Coach Robinson, uh, USC Trojans, would play the mighty Ohio State Buckeyes coached by Earl Bruce. OSU entered with a perfect 11-0 slate, while the Trojans suffered a shocking 21-all tie with Stanford after leading by three scores at the half, knocking them from the top place in the polls. Eric Hipp's 41-yard field goal for USC was the only scoring in the first quarter. And in the second, USC went up by 10 on Kevin Williams' 53-yard touchdown pass from Paul McDonald. The Buckeyes would not the score before halftime on a Vlade Janiskowski's 35-yard field goal and then a Gary Williams 67-yard touchdown catch from quarterback Arch Schleicher. Now, a couple of mid-range Janikusevsky field goals put Ohio State up in the fourth, and Southern Cal still had some fight in them, though, as Charles White pushed the ball over the goal line on a one-yard run with a minute remaining. And with the help of a subsequent hip kick, the Trojans outscored the Buckeyes, score, final score 17-16, and USC's Heisman Trophy winning running back, Charles White, was named the player of the game, rushing for an astonishing 247 yards and that score that we just spoke about. It was the second consecutive Rose Bowl MVP for White, having shared the 1979 honor like we just talked about with quarterback Rick Leach of Michigan. Now the 1981 Rose Bowl, it had version number 67, came in the form of the Washington Huskies meeting up with the Michigan Wolverines. The Huskies of Don James were ranked 16th in the country after a 9-2 campaign after suffering setbacks against Oregon and Navy's 11. Now the pregame hype was focused on Michigan's head coach Bo Schembechler. Now the coach had taken Michigan to seven bowl games in his career before this one and had never won any of them. This included an Orange Bowl game, a Gator Bowl, and five of these Rose Bowl games that we've just talked about. And it was a rallying cry from many Wolverine players who wanted to win this one, not only for themselves, but for their beloved leader on the sidelines. Now the first signature play in the contest was that the Michigan defense was stonewalled the Husky Tucson Tyler, the runner, on fourth and goal from the one yard line. There was a bit of controversy when one official signaled that Tyler scored, but after a zebra conference, it was determined that the ball did not cross the line. It was Michigan's ball, one yard line. The next highlight of the contest was a fantastic Rose Bowl record 73 yard punt sent by Michigan's Don Bracken. Washington took the lead on a Chuck Nelson 35-yard field goal in the second quarter, and Michigan responded with a 7-6 lead at intermission on a 6-yard touchdown scamper by tailback Butch Wolfolk. Now the lead was padded when the Wolverine kicker Ali Haji Sheik knocked a 25-yard field goal over the crossbar in the third, and UM's defense stepped up again and shut down any further scoring. 
Their offense kept things moving on the Michigan side of the scoreboard with an Anthony Carter seven-yard touchdown catch pass from Wangler and from Haji Sheik's successful PAT kick. In the fourth quarter, a Stan Edwards one-yard run for six made the final score 23-6, giving Coach Schembechler his first bowl game victory and first Rose Bowl victory. And most valuable player selection for this game was Butch Wolfolk after a performance of rushing for 182 yards on 26 carries. Now next we go to that 1982 Rose Bowl. And it was the, the bowl featured the 68th version of the series in Pasadena and a head-to-head -head matchup of the Washington Huskies of Don James against the Iowa Hawkeyes of head coach Hayden Fry. Iowa sported an eight and three mark on the season while the Huskies finished at nine and two. And this game looked great on paper. The Washington teams dominated, registering a 28 to nothing blowout victory in this Rose Bowl game. Freshman Phenom running back Jacques Robinson entered the game as a non-starter in the second quarter and then ran for 142 yards on 20 carries. Robinson was a major factor in, in most of the Husky scores and he didn't even see a snap in the third quarter and very little in the first. Now Jacques was the first freshman named as a Rose Bowl player of the game, did it in this game, and Washington quarterback Steve Pooler was 15 of 29 passing and Paul Scancy had four big catches while linebacker Mark Giroux made 13 tackles to round out the offensive explosion for UW. And we can say that about the Husky defense, well, Iowa could only manage 264 yards of total offense and coughed up two critical turnovers. And like we said, Giroux made 13 tackles uh, to really make that sound like I put it as a part of the offense. I apologize for that, but definitely part of that stonewalling Husky defense, 28 to nothing with the shutout in that Rose Bowl. That takes us to the Rose Bowl played on January 1st, 1983. The 69th annual classic in Pasadena sported a record of 9-1-1 by the UCLA Bruins facing an 8-3 Michigan Wolverines. These two squads knew each other well. It would be the third time they had played in the last 366 days. They met on December 31st, 1981 in the first Big Ten Pac-10 Bowl meeting outside of the Rose Bowl that was at the Blue Bonnet Bowl, and it was named the Mini Rose Bowl that year. Probably the Blue Bonnet Bowl people didn't, weren't real appreciative of that, but I guess it's a pretty good compliment. Now, Michigan won that game 33-14 in the Blue Bonnet Bowl. They next faced each other in the regular season of this 1982 season as the Bruins won 31-27 at Michigan in a real close game. So this Rose Bowl of 1983 was sort of that rubber match of sorts for this three-game series in 366 days. And the Rose Bowl, UCLA took an early 10-0 lead in the second quarter based on the excellent, well-balanced play of quarterback Tom Ramsey. Things got worse for the Wolverines when starting quarterback Steve Smith had to leave the game with a separated shoulder on a jarring hit by Bruin DB Don Rogers. Michigan backup signal caller David Hall produced a second half touchdown pass to Eddie Garrett to cut the UCLA lead to 10-7. The Bruins defense though finally helped break the game wide open on an interception of an errant Hall pass, setting the UCLA offense inside the Wolverine 20. UCLA scored a few plays later on a Danny Andrews 9-yard run and then a Blanchard Montgomery 11-yard reception return with a PAT conversions by their kicker Lee. Now Michigan went out fighting though, when Dan Rice took in a four-yard scoring pass from Hall, the place kicker Ali Haji Sheik pounded through the uprights the extra point, final score ended up 24-14 UCLA. 
quarterback Tom Ramsey and defensive back Don Rogers of UCLA, both of them were named the players of the game in this 1983 contest. Now that is your uh, Rose Bowl history for today. That's seven great Rose Bowls. Uh, like we said, some are blowouts, but they had some great players playing them and a great history of the game. And we hope you enjoyed this and uh, got to see a lot of action happening there. And uh, you know, we'll be back with our next episode as we're going to be talking about that 1984 Rose Bowl with uh, one of our good friends, Joe Ziemba, speaking about it. So stay tuned for that. And uh, until tomorrow, everybody. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.